0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Chenny Wu, in for Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. New inflation data came out today, and there's no sign it's slowing down. We'll take a look at where prices are rising the most. And the Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates to slow inflation. What will this mean for you? The price at the pump has gone up again, reaching another all-time high. As these prices eat away at American wallets, Oil industry experts call on the president to send a friendlier message to oil companies to help cool off the searing prices. The elections administrator of the largest county in Texas will be leaving her position effective July 1st, but the Harris County Republican Party wants her out immediately. The director of blockbuster movie Black Panther was detained by police because he was mistaken for a bank robber. We have the newly released footage showing that encounter. And no progress from the foreign ministers' meeting between Russia and Ukraine. The two countries' top diplomats say they discussed humanitarian corridors and a temporary ceasefire. (music) New inflation data came out today, and there's no signs of slowing. Prices have risen nearly 8 percent over the last 12 months. We haven't seen inflation like this since 1982. NTD's Molina Wisecup has the details and how lawmakers on Capitol Hill are responding.
1: Four months in a row, annual inflation has reached new 40-year highs. The Labor Department's Thursday report showed consumer prices were 7.9% higher in February than a year ago. Gas, food, and housing prices drove the February price increases. And senators on Capitol Hill are pressing Biden to take action now. I
2: think there's a lot more we can do. I really do.
1: This... Increase
3: isn't just due to what's happening in the Ukraine. It's due to the administration's policies.
1: From January to February, nearly all goods and services got more expensive. Grocery costs jumped 1.4 percent, a new record in decades. The cost of fruits and vegetables rose 2.3 percent, clothing by 0.7 percent, and gas prices spiked 6.6 percent. Over the past year, grocery prices have gone up 8.6 percent, the highest since 1981.
4: And we're going to do whatever we can to fight back as members of Congress.
1: The massive pandemic relief spending is one cause for the soaring inflation more government spending causes inflation to rise. Meanwhile, Congress is pushing through their annual spending bill, which increases funding for a number of government initiatives. What would you say to Americans who are kind of scratching their heads or who are critical asking, why would you guys be willing to vote for a bill with increased funding for government agencies while we're seeing this record high inflation? What would you say to them?
3: I would say that they have a good point. You know, as a government, as a federal government, we should
1: be setting priorities just like families do. Senator Fisher tells us she's undecided on whether she will vote to pass the spending bill. Gas prices alone contributed to nearly a third of the overall inflation increase.
5: Uh, It can filter through to the costs of
4: other goods and services. Everything you buy off the, the shelf in a store it got there
5: either by plane train or automobile.
1: And the White House has blamed the sky-high inflation on Russian leader Vladimir Putin.
6: And we have seen the energy the increase uh, uh, you know happen uh, as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine.
1: But inflation was already at record levels before Russia's invasion. The administration's plan for slowing inflation is to raise interest rates, which would cause Americans to see higher interest on everything from credit cards to car loans. And the Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates by at least a quarter point, And they're willing to raise it even higher if this first rate hike doesn't slow inflation. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskopf, NTD News.
0: And one of the most visible costs, one you see every time you're at the pump, has increased again. Gas prices have reached a new high. Industry experts say the White House needs a new message, an attractive message for investors to bring the price down. NTD's Miguel Moreno has a story.
7: Record high gas prices are devouring American wallets. According to AAA, we hit an all-time high average on Thursday, $4.31 per gallon. Paying the most for fuel are Californians, $5.69 per gallon. A lot of it has
6: to do with Vladimir Putin.
7: The White House refers to the mounting gas price as Putin's price hike. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says that one of the largest oil producers in the world has disrupted the global oil market by warring with Ukraine. But Psaki says President Biden will do everything he can to knock down those gas prices.
4: It's time in America that we treat oil and natural gas as an asset, not a liability.
7: Todd Staples is president at the Texas Oil and Gas Association. Drilling for oil takes money, time, and risk-taking. Saples says the White House needs to send an attractive message to oil companies and investors.
4: We need the right signals for industry to respond to this tragic situation that's occurring. All of 2020, this administration spent saying that we're going to do away with oil and natural gas production. We're going to stop drilling. In 2021, we had the administration say we want to call on other countries, OPEC, OPEC plus the cartel to increase production. We need this administration to now say we want American energy leadership, not only to protect our consumers here at home, but to send the right signals to our allies around the world that we are gonna deliver.
7: The Biden administration says it wants the U.S. to be energy independent, but not by investing in fossil fuels like gas. Right now, President Biden is focused on clean energy technology, which his team says will avoid volatile fossil fuel prices. Miguel Moreno, NTD News.
0: Despite record-breaking gas prices, one county's board of supervisors voted against restoring state oil production. The denial comes as California gas prices are climbing on a daily basis, but other options may be coming to the state.
8: The Santa Barbara County Board of Supervisors recently denied an ExxonMobil proposal to make thousands of truck trips per year transporting oil from now idle offshore oil rigs. The refusal declines ExxonMobil a crucial step in its hopes to restart drilling at the decades-old trio of oil rigs. The company said without a pipeline, trucking was its only option to transport crude oil to markets. And a pipeline may eventually be on the way, though not in the near future. Houston-based Plains All-America pipeline is looking to replace a pipeline that was shut down in 2015. The shutdown happened after one of California's worst coastal oil spills in 25 years. It was the link between offshore platforms and onshore processing plants. Plains All-America's plan won't receive a complex environmental review until October. Ben Oakley, manager of the California Coastal Region for the Western States Petroleum Association, said the supervisors chose to make California even more reliant on imported energy at a time when Californians are already struggling with some of the highest energy costs on record. Santa Barbara Supervisor Steve Lavagnino said he hopes for alternative energy sources, but acknowledges California is still years away from eliminating oil and gas.
0: Foreign ministers from Russia and Ukraine hold high-level talks for the first time since the war began. They met in Turkey today to discuss a temporary ceasefire, but the meeting didn't yield any progress. NTD's Allison Lee has the details.
9: Russia's and Ukraine's foreign ministers met on the sidelines of a diplomacy forum in Turkey on Thursday. They had aimed to discuss humanitarian corridors and a 24-hour ceasefire.
10: We did not make progress on this, since uh, it seems that there are other decision makers uh, for, this, uh, for this matter in Russia. We agreed to continue uh, efforts to uh, seek a solution to the humanitarian issues on the ground.
9: The Ukrainian foreign minister says he tried his best to find a diplomatic solution to the humanitarian crisis in Mariupol, and he proposed a humanitarian corridor leading out of Mariupol.
10: I proposed it. My uh, proposal was not, uh, my, was not followed by, uh, f- was not supported by Minister Lavrov. But again, I still hope that at least he will do it after leaving the room of negotiations.
9: The Ukrainian foreign minister says he's willing to meet with his Russian counterpart again. And the Russian side says President Vladimir Putin had not ruled out a meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky.
11: As President Putin said, and we reminded you of that not only once, we always stand for different formats of talks with added value if they are arranged, not just for the sake of it.
9: The Russian foreign minister also answered a question about whether he believes a nuclear war could start.
11: I don't want to believe it, and I don't believe in it.
9: Turkey's foreign minister says the meeting was an important start. He says Turkey aimed to pave the way for a meeting between Putin and Zelensky.
11: Despite all the difficulties, I can say that a very civilized meeting took place. Of course, the parties defended their positions, defended their thoughts in a civilized way. But as you asked in your question, it wasn't a meeting where any tension was caused or a tone of voice was raised.
9: Turkey is a NATO member state, but it has close ties with both Russia and Ukraine. Meanwhile, back in the U.S., the Biden administration announced on Thursday $53 million in humanitarian aid for Ukrainians. And the House on Wednesday passed a new spending bill that includes $13.6 billion for Ukraine. On the same day, the House also voted to ban Russian oil imports with overwhelming support. Only two Democrats and 15 Republicans voted against the bill. Allison Lee, TD News. Volunteers are
0: stepping up to help Ukrainian refugees and provide them with basic necessities. NTD's Dan Skorback spoke to several people in Poland who are volunteering their time and effort for those in need.
12: Here we are at a Ukrainian-Polish border. The volunteers are helping people to cross and find shelter, find SIM cards, find food as of March 8. Two million Ukrainians have left their country to flee the war. Some people have relatives abroad. Some have nowhere to go. But everyone we talk to wants to go back as soon as possible to Ukraine. At this border crossing in Medica, Poland, mostly women and children make their way through a corridor of volunteers. A lot of volunteers are coming from different countries. People from Czech Republic, Sweden, England, Italy and India. After picking up necessities, the refugees queue for the buses. The buses come straight here to the border and volunteers, police and military help people to carry their bags from the border to the buses or the train. Then people take their trip into Poland or find further places where they can stay. I spoke to an American named Nathan Schweitkart. He came to Ukraine to rescue his fiancee. There's
13: dozens of buses at the Lviv uh, railway station right now. So um, it's packed full of people, but they're shuttling people back and forth right now. More so, of course, coming back over to this side. I'm glad to get her to safety and all is well. I
12: well, spoke to Para, who cooks and distributes you know, 2,000 really cups of soup each day. We're just sharing some food because what actually everybody is missing is some love. And food is like love. And so, and actually, my volunteers are amateurs coming from the French word amour, which they all do it out of love. And that's what people need in this world, a little love. And I've heard from Kieran, British ex-military who has dozens of stamps in his passport because he pushes carts of groceries across the border since it's complicated to cross in a car.
11: And so now what we do is I come across, sort the teams out at this end, and we take supplies, and then we fill the cars. Once the cars are full, we can then sleep, <laughs> and then we do the same again the next day. So, so
12: you bring you we go bring, to the supermarket now, the supermarket, and we bring, buy
11: buy all chocolates, cr- everything, anything that's um, — these people have got money. They don't need — you can see, they don't need clothes, they don't need shoes. Uh-huh. They need chocolate bars to sustain themselves for the journey, yeah, yeah. And from Lviv to here. So that's I what see. we're
2: doing, yeah.
12: I also met a Ukrainian who started a volunteer organization that has been providing food, hygiene products, and even medicine to the refugees. There are kids who have genetic diseases entering here. The conditions are such that they can't be without their medicine. And now all supply chain for medication has stopped. Without these medications, the kids have a few days to live. Because we're able to find here our guys who are willing to risk their lives to go there, to help risking their lives to go to those bunkers, basements, and find those families, bring the medicine to them. Although everybody's tired, there are smiles on people's faces. The free coffee, the free food, the phone plans, the accommodations, they do help. This is Dan Skorback, Polish-Ukrainian border, entity News.
0: As the Russia-Ukraine war enters its 15th day, U.S. spy chiefs say that Russian forces are showing reckless disregard for Ukrainian civilians. American agencies are investigating their actions
14: for accountability the Russian military has begun to loosen its rules of engagement to achieve their military objectives. If they pursue the maximalist approach, we judge it will be especially challenging for the Russians to hold and control Ukrainian territory and install a sustainable pro-Russian regime to Kiev. U.S. National Intelligence Director Avril Haines that says that, that American intelligence agencies Ukraine are documenting Russia's actions. The IC is engaged across the interagency to document and hold Russia and Russian actors accountable for their actions. Haines' comments were made today at the Senate Intelligence Committee's annual hearing, which was about worldwide threats to U.S. security. And in spite of the war between Russia and Ukraine, she says China remains the number one threat to America, followed by Russia, Iran, and North Korea. The assessment starts with threats from key state actors, beginning with the People's Republic of China which remains an unparalleled priority for the intelligence community. And the White House Wednesday criticized Russia for pushing, quote, false claims about the U.S. running biological weapons labs in Ukraine. Press Secretary Jen Psaki tweeted yesterday, we've also seen Chinese officials echo these conspiracy theories.
0: After a series of mistakes made by the Harris County Elections Administrator in the Texas primary last week, the county's Republican Party is calling for an immediate replacement. But an expert says that's against state law. NTD's
15: Arlene Richards reports. We're stuck with her. The Harris County Republican Party chair announced Wednesday that the party will ask a judge to appoint an independent administrator to oversee the next election in May. This comes a day after the current elections administrator, Isabel Longoria, said she will resign effective July 1. Calls for Longoria's resignation came after a mishandling of the Texas primary election last week. LONGORIA ADMITTED THAT SHE DIDN'T MEET HER OWN STANDARD, MUCH LESS THE STANDARD SET BY THE COMMISSIONER'S COURT. ULTIMATELY, THE uh, the BUCK STOPS WITH ME uh, TO ADDRESS THESE ISSUES AND CONDUCT ELECTIONS ON BEHALF OF THE VOTERS. SHE PLANS TO STAY ON THROUGH THE NEXT TWO ELECTIONS IN MAY, BUT THE HARRIS COUNTY REPUBLICAN PARTY WANTS HER OUT IMMEDIATELY.
16: IT'S ABOUT THE VOTERS KNOWING THAT WHEN THEY GO THERE, THEY'RE GOING TO BE ABLE TO VOTE ON MACHINES THAT work ON THE CORRECT PAPER size that they're going to get the right ballot.
15: Under Longoria's watch, vote counting was delayed, partially due to issues with new voting machines and 10,000 mail-in ballots were found to have been unaccounted for after election night. But she says the restrictive voting laws of SB 1, or Senate Bill 1, caused some of the mistakes. SB 1, also known as the Election Integrity Bill, was signed into law by Governor Greg Abbott last September. Proponents say the law makes voting easier and cheating harder. It expands early voting hours and makes it easier to make corrections to ballots that are rejected for technical errors. But critics say it imposes new hurdles on mail-in ballots and empowers partisan poll watchers. Professor Robert Stein, an elections administration consultant who worked with Longoria, says the law did ambiguously extend the rights and privileges of poll watchers, which can affect the administrator's job. But he says SB1 can't be blamed for what happened in Harris County.
7: I I know there's a lot of statements made that Senate Bill 1, particularly new requirements for mail-in ballots. Um, I can see no evidence that Senate Bill 1 had a significant or dominant influence on the conduct of this election in Harris County. And I'll give you an example. Um, If, in fact, the mail ballots were the source of the problem, then there would be fewer of them cast because people didn't have access, as they may have had in 2020 or 2021, to mail ballots.
15: According to Stein, those who are calling for Longoria to be replaced immediately won't get their wish. Texas state law prevents the commissioner's court from appointing a temporary administrator because the position is currently filled. So Longoria will likely continue her role for the next three months. Meanwhile, the Republican Party has filed two lawsuits citing problems with the election process and Longoria's management. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York.
0: Texas is heading a legal campaign against medical gender transitioning for children. The governor condemns the practice as child abuse, even green-lighting investigations. But the state has hit a roadblock. A Texas appeals court has upheld a restraining order, blocking the state's investigation into a family with a transgender child. The family is transitioning their 16-year-old son with gender dysphoria into a girl. This means the teenager has been given gender-affirming care and medication like hormone-altering drugs. The state's Child Protection Agency had launched an investigation to determine whether the family abused their child by transitioning him. That was until a court stepped in, granting the family a restraining order. But the case is ongoing. The U.S. is seeing a record number of drug overdose deaths, with the CDC reporting over 100,000 in a 12-month period, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and others offered solutions to the crisis during a panel discussion held by the Heritage Foundation. NTD's Jason Perry has a story.
5: If you look at the age group of people between 18 and 45, over the past year, the leading cause of death is not COVID, it's not cancer, it's not car wrecks, it's not guns. The leading cause of death for that age group is fentanyl. Governor Greg Abbott has combated the smuggling of narcotics by deploying the National Guard and increasing personnel and in the Department of Public Safety at the Mexican border. They have seized over 232 million lethal doses of fentanyl, enough to kill over two-thirds of the U.S. population. Mark Morgan is a visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation and former acting commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection.
4: A hundred thousand drug overdoses in a 12-month period. That's more than all the lives lost, American lives lost, than, than the Vietnam, Afghanistan, and Iraq wars combined.
5: He said the 11,000 pounds of fentanyl seized this past year was double the amount from last year.
4: When we look at the 3 million migrants that tried to break into our country illegally, the 2 million we, 2 million we encountered, the 600,000 that got away, and the 400,000 to turn back to avoid apprehension, every one of those paid the cartels. That illegal immigration is fueling and financing the cartel's criminal operations. It's making them stronger. It's making them more influential. It's making them more powerful. And it's also enabling their criminal schemes in other areas, including drugs, to expand.
5: He said the Mexican cartels are exploiting the migrants and forcing many of them to carry drugs as they cross the border.
4: There's a false narrative out there. There's a premise out there that the American people is being asked to buy, being forced to buy. And that is that somehow we have border security over here, and then we have illegal immigration over here. And somehow those two things are not connected. Somehow in some alternative universe, those two things are separate. And that you can be for border security and for illegal immigration. Well, it doesn't work that way. Not in the real world. The reality is, is that all the threats that we face along the southwest border, they're
5: interconnected. Congressman Brian Babin, another panelist, said counterfeit pills, as well as marijuana, can be laced with deadly doses of fentanyl, which further aggravates the crisis. Jason Perry, NTD News.
0: Revised masking policies are in the works for travelers, and at least United Airlines is welcoming back unvaccinated employees. The Biden administration is extending the federal mask mandate on transportation systems. It will now go one month past the intended expiration date of March 18th. The new deadline to end masking is April 18th. In that extra month, the CDC is planning to develop a revised framework so that masking on planes, trains or buses is based on COVID-19 community levels. And United Airlines is relaxing its policies. The airline is letting unvaccinated employees return to work starting March 28th. Video footage released by Atlanta police on Wednesday shows the director of blockbuster movie Black Panther being detained by police at a local bank. He was trying to withdraw cash, but the teller mistakenly thought he was robbing the bank.
14: Back in January, Black Panther director Ryan Coogler went to a Bank of America branch in Atlanta where he was mistaken for a robber. Body cam footage released this week shows an officer unholstering his gun before detaining Kugler. Kugler handed the bank teller a withdrawal slip with a note written on the back. A picture of the note was obtained by TMZ. It read, I would like to withdraw $12,000 cash from my checking account. Please do the money count somewhere else. I'd like to be discreet. According to a Variety report, the bank teller misinterpreted the situation as an attempted robbery when the transaction amount exceeded $10,000 and informed her boss. It took about 10 to 15 minutes for the officers to sort out the confusion.
6: From what
5: we got the call, it seemed like someone was trying to rob the bank.
14: Kugler explained he was going to pay a medical assistant in cash, but doesn't feel safe when other people in the bank see him withdrawing such large amounts of money. He issued a statement Wednesday morning saying this situation should never have happened. However, Bank of America worked with me and addressed it to my satisfaction, and we have moved on. Bank of America did not immediately respond to a request for comment.
0: Major League Baseball and the Players Association have reached a tentative agreement on a new collective bargaining deal that will end the lockout and save the season. The union's executive board approved the agreement, But it's still pending ratification by both parties, which is expected to be a formality. The deal would end the 99-day lockout and salvage the full 162-game schedule. The regular season would begin April 7th, with spring training camps to open this Sunday. And all games that were previously canceled would be rescheduled as doubleheaders. Traditional craftsmanship in the Big Apple. This artificial flower shop is the last of its kind in the city. Today, it supplies flowers to Broadway shows, some of the biggest names in Hollywood, and the fashion industry. Here's NTD's Evelyn Lee.
17: This is the last artificial flower shop in all of New York City. And you've seen them in Hollywood movies and fashion shows and in fashion magazines. And this is where they come alive. Right in the heart of the fashion capital of the world. Amid fast fashion and offshoring, there is a spot where traditional craftsmanship has prevailed. For over a hundred years, one family and their staff have been shaping these unique flowers by hand. Adam Brandt, m s Schmalberg's current owner, welcomed us into the showroom and took us on a tour. This is the place where each flower starts its journey. And if you don't know what your flower should look like at this point, don't worry—you'll find plenty of inspiration.
18: So what's also really cool about the stockroom is that you can use this as design ideas. And one of my favorite examples is the designer from Vera Wang was here at this point probably three or four years ago and she was looking for a parrot tulip. And I'm the flower guy, but I didn't know what that was. I, I went on Google, I pulled up pictures, and in the end I convinced her to come here. And she went through all of these boxes and pulled Portions of this flower and part of that flower and some of those and created this like Franken flower, like Frankenstein, with all these different things that didn't match.
17: And now the flower has become a staple in Vera Wang's shows. Brand shows us machines and tools that have been around since before he was born.
18: Raise the bar, raise the arm And find the perfect spot for it.
17: Some of the staff have been around since before he was born too and they're the reason for each flower's detail and quality. Brand says although full automation and laser cutters are faster the flowers wouldn't have the same texture and detail. Before the fabric is cut it's soaked in starch this way the fabric will hold its shape better later in the process. Then it is cut into shape with tools, many of which are more than a hundred years old.
18: The oldest ones have a stem like this, and in the old days, you would take a rubber hammer, you'd swing really hard, and that would be how you cut out flower petals.
17: But nowadays, there are machines to help out.
18: They are heavier than they look.
17: Yes. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, they <laughs> look heavy, but they're even heavier in real reality. Here in the next room, employees are crafting each flower one layer of petals at a time. And currently, they're working on custom orders for Vera Wang and the San Francisco Opera. They also get custom projects where the customers bring fabric themselves. That's often material that's sentimental to them. And all the flowers that you order here can actually be custom-made. Adam, the owner, just told me you can make them out of almost every fabric you can think of, even leather, silk, or vintage wedding dresses.
18: I want to help it continue for for the next 100 years. Eventually, if my daughter Skylar wants to take it over, give her the option.
17: Today, Amandes Schmalberg supplies some of the biggest names in Hollywood, top designers, and Broadway shows. Evelyn Lee, NTD News. Coming up, a construction crew in California
0: makes an unusual discovery. When remodeling a convention center, they discovered mummified remains in the wall. And the Los Angeles sheriff again criticizes his county supervisors. He says his department is severely short-staffed. That and more on NTD News. Police in California's Bay Area reported a mummified person in the walls of an old convention center. Construction workers discovered the body while tearing down interior walls. NTD's Adelina Asoltani reports.
3: Authorities in the East Bay say the body had been inside the wall long enough to become mummified. They hadn't released any photos yet. Construction workers found the mummified body of what appears to be an adult male at the Henry J. Kaiser Convention Center in Oakland, California, on Wednesday. Authorities say there is no way to easily determine the person's age. Upon arrival, authorities determined that the conditions in the building's wall preserved and mummified the remains. Local deputies have launched an investigation and plan on obtaining fingerprints from the remains. They hope to determine who the person was and how long the body has been behind the wall. Two working theories on the body are either the person got stuck behind the wall or may have been put there by someone else. The Kaiser Convention Center is owned by the city of Oakland. It was built in 1914 and stopped operating in 2005 when officials decided operating costs were too high. In 2020, renovations began on the building. Adelina Soltane, NTD News, California.
0: Los Angeles Sheriff Alex Villanueva continues to be vocal about law enforcement staffing. He recently criticized L.A. County supervisors for the ongoing hiring freeze in his department. We hear more from NTD's David Lamb.
13: The Los Angeles Sheriff said at a press conference on March 9th that budget setbacks and a hiring freeze are impairing his department's ability to provide public safety. We're in the middle of a crime wave right now. 94% increase in homicides in two years. And what is the board doing? Let's remove deputies from the field. Let's remove detectives from working. Let's start closing down the jails. This is unsustainable at any level. The county placed a hiring freeze on several departments during the height of the pandemic in March 2020 to cut back on expenditures. Last October, the supervisors lifted the freeze on every department except for the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. When I say defunding has consequences, see this number right now? That is a total sworn vacancies as we speak, 783. That number is going to grow to over 927 in the matter of the next, by April 1st. That is the lowball estimate is 927. As a result, Villanueva said deputies are overworked, detective cases are overloaded, and relatives of crime victims do not get timely updates on the progress of their cases. In the past few years, major cities participated in a defunding the police movement. And then they lived to regret it. Every single jurisdiction turned around and refunded. President Joe Biden also called for police refunding in the State of the Union address.
18: We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police,
19: it's to fund the police.
13: Fund them.
20: Fund them. Fund them with resources and training. Resources and training they need to protect
13: our communities. Villanueva says deputies used to only be allowed to work 12 days in a row, but now the number has increased to 30 days in a row. NTD reached out to a county board supervisor for comments. David Lam, NTD News, California.
0: Still to come, South Korea swings to the right as the new conservative president-elect aims for closer ties with the U.S. and tougher stances towards China and North Korea. And a dramatic gas price hike in France, one expert says the source of the problem is the EU's energy policies over the last 30 years. That and more here on NTD News. Under the ruling Democratic Party, South Korea has seen a new trend shifting toward North Korea and China and away from the U.S. But now, anti-Chinese sentiment at home has helped the country's conservative opposition candidate take the presidency in the tightest race since 1987. To find out what's expected in the next five years, we sat down with two experts.
19: South Korea has a new president. The man taking the reins is Yoon Suk-yo. He keeps his core values, liberal democracy, market economy, and rule of law. Yoon edged out the ruling Democratic Party's Lee Jae-myung by a fraction on Thursday. It's said to be the tightest race since South Korea began holding free presidential elections over three decades ago.
21: Many senior officials in Washington and Japan are breathing a sigh of relief in Yoon's election because his opponent, Mr. Lee Lee Jae-myung, was openly anti-Japan and very ambivalent about the United States, even uh, made an accusation to a visiting U.S. senator last year that the U.S. played a role in Korea falling to Japan's colonial rule in 1910, which is not true.
19: This election brings the political shift to the right in South Korea, with the incoming president vowing to teach what he calls rude boy, North Korea leader Kim Jong-un, quote, some manners. The president-elect also seeks to expand alliance with U.S. and Japan, pushing South Korea to join the Quad, a strategic security dialogue between the U.S., Australia, Japan, and India. After his victory on Thursday, he also said he would sternly deal with North Korea's misbehavior and reset ties with China, hinting at a hardline posture towards the two countries.
21: That's a new phenomenon in Korean politics. Few politicians have fanned the flames of anti-Chinese sentiment to their own political benefit. But I think Yun has said all the right things for now. For China to sanction South Korea for introducing THAAD, for deploying THAAD, which is a defensive equipment, that is basically China imposing its own interests over another sovereign state.
19: U.S. President Joe Biden was the first foreign leader to call Yoon to congratulate him on his election victory. And China also congratulated South Korea's president-elect, stressing hopes for better ties. On the other hand, North Korea's state media reported that leader Kim Jong-un paid a visit to his country's National Satellite Control Center on Wednesday, which is part of North Korea's missile program.
21: We might expect some tensions in inter-Korean relations. Yoon's election is a perfect Pretext for the North Korean dictator to use to justify provocations, missile tests that he would have conducted in any event.
19: South Korea's president-elect Yoon is to take office in May and serve a single five-year term.
0: Going to France, the war in Ukraine and Western sanctions could trigger a dramatic fuel price hike in the country. Experts estimate the price per liter might double by the end of the year. NTD's France correspondent David Veves has
10: more. How high can fuel prices go? French drivers might be in for a shock when passing the petrol station, according to French president of Petroleum Industries Union. Fuel prices have been increasing since the end of summer 2021, as lockdowns ended. With the recovery of global activity, the price of a barrel of oil went up to 90 to 95 US dollars. Since the beginning of the war in Ukraine, this number has grown by 20 to $25 due to the uncertainty of deliveries. Swiss economist Guy de Lafortelle says the price of fuel in France and in Europe is also the outcome of decisions made by European states to fix energy prices.
2: This, this is a structural problem. This current crisis reveals how catastrophic our European energy uh, policy has been for the, the past 30 years. The war is horrible. But the current events alone could not have destabilized a healthy system. However, it reveals how ill our system is.
10: The Yellow Vest protest movement initiated demonstrations in 2018 against the hike on fuel taxes. At that time, the fuel price for diesel was about 1.50 euro per liter, or 5.9 euros for a gallon. In France, many petrol stations currently show prices of 2 euros per liter for petrol or diesel. Experts say that the end of winter is actually when fuel stocks are replenished ready for the next winter. In other words, the prices hikes we're seeing now might only be the beginning. Some sources suggest the fuel price could go up to 3.30 per liter by the end of the year. De La Fortelle says French people are not able to cope with such prices and it could threaten social stability.
11: We are
2: not ready for this. We are not at all prepared for this kind of event which could end up happening. If it was not from the Ukraine war, it would have been from something else. If the fuel price reaches beyond 3 euros per liter, there might be a civil war in France.
10: De La Fortelle also points out that exaggerated sanctions might backfire on EU countries.
2: The ferocity of the European and Western sanctions in general is astonishing because we are not so strong that we can afford to endanger, as we are doing, the financial system and the world economy, which is in a very fragile situation.
10: Taxes make up 57% of the fuel price in France. De La Fortale says the government will probably decrease the tax as there is no other option. David Vives, NTD News, Paris.
0: Job vacancies in the UK are the highest on record, and with a shortage of EU workers, opportunities are opening up for previously untargeted groups, such as homeless people and ex-offenders. As the demand for workers keeps rising, crowdfunding charities are helping to break the cycle that keeps homeless people out of work. Here's entity's Lorraine Ferrier with more.
16: When Zara Asamoah graduated early on in the pandemic, she had no fixed abode, and her chances of finding work looked remote.
6: When you're like unemployed, obviously finances is a major thing, and like a deposit and first month's rent and finding somewhere to live.
16: Britain is suffering an acute lack of job candidates as the economy reopens post-pandemic. Beam, a crowdfunding charity, is helping homeless people into work.
10: Through the pandemic, we have helped companies with their most urgent hiring needs. And that means roles like caring, like logistics, like lorry driving. And we continue to flex our service around what are the real skill shortages in the UK.
16: Vacancies are the highest on record, a situation exacerbated by a drop in EU workers a recruitment head for buses and trains at Arriva Group, says the company faced candidate shortages that were not sustainable.
21: The proposition that Beam brought forward to us was really unique and something we'd never seen before. And really what they've been able to do for us is untap a pool of candidates, again, that we'd not connected with or not been connected
2: with.
16: Organisations such as Beam aim to break the cycle that keeps homeless people out of work. After graduating in 2020, Zara was struggling to find somewhere to stay when her local council put her in touch with Beam. Crowdfunding of just over £3,000 got her into a shared house a year ago and covered the cost of a laptop and other expenses. Beam coached her on job interviews and introduced her to employers, including Arriva.
6: Knowing that, like, I have somewhere to live and I have, like, Um, a job and kind of like stable income is just like nice so that I can kind of just do more things for myself and like, I guess, experience life. BEAM's founder says other companies could meet the challenge of
16: worker shortages by considering this route whilst benefiting society. Lorraine Ferrier, NTD News.
0: Efforts are underway in Ukraine to save artwork from the war. Russian artillery and airstrikes recently damaged the art museum in Ukraine's second-largest city. Here are the details.
17: When Russian forces bombed Ukraine's second-largest city, Kharkiv, shockwaves shattered the windows of the city's main art museum. Staff are racing to store the museum's most prized possessions in the vault. There are over 25,000 items in our collection. Kharkiv Fine Art
0: Museum's collection is one of the biggest in Ukraine, one of the most valuable. Many of the museum's
17: artworks are by
0: Russian artists.
17: It's simply the
0: irony of fate that we should be saving Russian artists, paintings by Russian artists from their own
17: nation. This is simply barbarism. One of the most prized works is a version of the imposing work by renowned Russian painter Ilya Repin called Reply of the Zaporizhian Cossacks.
0: BASICALLY, IT SHOULD NOT BE MOVED. TEMPERATURE OR HUMIDITY CONDITIONS ARE NOT RECOMMENDED. ANY MOVEMENT SHOULD BE AVOIDED. WE TREAT IT WITH GREAT CARE. BUT THERE IS NOT A SINGLE WINDOW INTACT IN THIS ROOM.
17: THE MUSEUM'S COLLECTION REMAINS INTACT FOR NOW. BUT BECAUSE ALL THE WINDOWS ARE BLOWN OUT, IT'S IMPOSSIBLE TO CONTROL THE TEMPERATURE AND HUMIDITY INSIDE THE GALLERY. Staff will only be able to assess the real damage after the fighting stops.
0: Now workers, women that are still in town, we will work and do our best to save it all. We are taking the paintings down and will hide them. We are doing our best to preserve
17: them. Meanwhile, staff at Ukraine's largest art museum in Lviv are also busy packing away its collections. The museum has closed its doors since the war began. Lviv is in western Ukraine and hasn't suffered much from the fighting. But the artworks could still be in danger if the war moves west.
0: Businesses in Venice, Italy, are still struggling from the shift in tourism two years into the pandemic. Empty storefronts and businesses for sale are now a common sight in the city. Here are the details.
6: An estimate says there are around 130 empty stores across Venice and more than 20 stores around the iconic St. Mark's Square have shut down over the last two years. Industry spokespeople say it's not just because of the pandemic.
11: I believe the problem that involved many businesses, some of which were secular. Some had been here for over 100 years in St. Mark's Square and have had to close their shops. That's due to rent increase.
6: For the shops still operating, it's a daily struggle to survive. This is especially true for the shops that specialize in high quality crafts. The owner of a bookbinding business says he believes Venice is being invaded by what he calls cheap tourism. We
11: need to take a turn. We need to try to encourage quality tourism, a tourism that can give new light to these Venetian excellences, the Venetian artisans. Otherwise, it will be difficult to survive. There will be a downward trend rather than upward. And that becomes a problem for us as we aim for quality.
6: For a long time, Venice has been grappling with a problem that tourists are visiting only for a day trip. These are often cruise ship passengers who don't stay overnight in the city or spend much in its shops and restaurants. City officials want that to change. In
11: Venice, they often go to St. Mark's Square, take a picture and go back home. We want to aim to have people come to Venice and stay here for three, four, five days or even a week. People who love Venice. And when they go home, they take a part of our city with them. Bringing back a piece of craftsmanship would mean bringing back the Venice traditions with them. Something that symbolizes what Venetian life really is. We need to go back to that.
6: The war in Ukraine is now worrying Venetians as well.
11: We are now in an extremely serious situation, honestly. I do not know what will happen to business owners and shopkeepers and everything.
6: The next big upcoming event in Venice is the Art Biennale. It's due to open at the end of April. Coming up, the
0: world-famous British Pie Awards received a record-breaking number of entries this year, including one made with kangaroo meat. And a hungry newborn eagle chick is treated to some fresh fish for lunch. More on that when we return here on NTD News. Judges at the world-famous British Pie Awards have their work cut out this year with a record-breaking number of entries, including one made with kangaroo meat. The highly competitive contest is playing out over three days at the home of the pork pie. NTD's Neil Woodrow brings us this report.
22: The British Pie Awards are back after the COVID pandemic saw last year's competition moved to September. This year is a big one, with pie makers, sponsors, and judges pulling out all the stops. The organiser and chairman says it's a record year.
20: 976 pies, 151 judges. It really is quite an achievement.
22: In all, they've got 23 classes of pies, including the traditional pork and steak and kidney pies, but also free from and dessert pies, as well as a vegan category where the 2019 overall winner came from.
20: We've got some quite unusual pies this year. We've got a kangaroo and Tasmanian pepperberry pie. We've got a miso beef short rib pie. We've got a crab pasty. We've got a cashew mushroom and pea, we've got a rhubarb and custard pie, lots of different pies in this awards.
22: Staff heat the pies before transporting them to the judging tables. And with so many pies to get through, the chairman of the judges has asked them to please keep it moving along when marking, or they'll be here till midnight, before adding, just enjoy yourselves. The judges mark the pies on various criteria, including eating qualities, the filling, and how a maker could improve their entry. Two of the judges have come from far, giving an international flavour to the panel.
20: A Japanese judge, we have a judge who has come in from California, but most of them are actually from from within the UK. Butchers, bakers, retailers, um, food writers, and just people passionate about pies.
22: This year there's an extra special prize for the overall winner.
20: But not only would you win the trophy for Supreme Champion and Pine Pies, but this year Hankyu Department Store in Japan has offered the winner a all-expenses-paid trip to Japan to the British fair to talk to the Japanese about pies."
22: Since launching in 2009, the competition has grown in popularity and profile, with this year's farthest pie maker coming from Loch Inver in Scotland, more than nine hours' drive away from Melton. The supreme champion is due to be announced on Friday. Mr. Woodhead, who has been judging chairman for four years, said, What we're trying to do is improve overall qualities of pies in the United Kingdom. It's all about improvement. Neil Woodrow, NGD News.
0: Feeling hungry? It's lunchtime in a bald eagle nest at the top of a pine tree in the Southern California mountains. And fresh fish is on the menu for a hungry newborn eagle chick. Just before noon on Wednesday, the male bald eagle named Shadow returned to his nest with a fish. Then his mate, named Jackie, fed pieces to their one-week-old baby. The chick hatched on March 3rd, and a second egg in the nest remains unhatched. Friends of Big Bear Valley, which operates a webcam on the nest, says the second egg could still hatch any day now. Last year, the couple also had two eggs, but neither chick survived. The eagle pair's nest is in a pine tree about 145 feet above the ground. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chenny Wu.